0: Okay, starting off in verse 13. It says, On the second day the heads of the houses of all the people, with the priests and the Levites, they came together to Ezra the scribe in order to study the words of the law. And they found it written in the law that the Lord had commanded by Moses that the people of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month and that they should proclaim it, and publish it in all their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out to the hills and bring branches of olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees to make booze as it is written. So the people went out and brought them and made booze for themselves, each on his roof, in their courts, in the courts of the house of God, in the square at the water gate, and in the square at the gate of Ephraim. And all the assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths, and lived in the booths, for, though, for from the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, to that day the people of Israel had done so. And there was a very great rejoicing. And day by day, from the first day to the last day, he read from the book of the law of God. They kept the feast seven days, On the eighth day, there was a solemn assembly, according to the rule. Now, as we look at those passages of Scripture, I'll confess to you, I have read over those, knowing the high points of the book of Nehemiah, wanting to get on to the point where they completed everything that was said to do, according to the Word of God, with the temple, with the rebuilding of the wall, with the houses, I have read those in in just rapid succession, one right after the other, and never paid any attention to them. Wanting to get on to what Nehemiah did later on, toward the end of the book. But when you read those verses in context, and you put together these footnotes that we all probably have in the bottoms of our Bibles, these, these center columns that have multiple scriptures to reference, when we put those together and we pay attention to what those say, This little block of Scripture has huge meaning to it. If you look at verse 13, it says, On the second day the heads of the houses, the fathers' houses of all the people, with the priests and the Levites. Who were these people? These were the men that had teaching responsibilities to the heads of the fathers' houses and to the general public of this group of people. The heads of the fathers, the houses, they had it to the families. Going on, the priests and Levites, the general population of the community. And you read about these leaders and you wonder, well, what kind of people were they? Well, they came together to Ezra, the scribe, in order to study the words of the, of the law. These words had been read to, the him, the, to them the day previous to that. But there had been a lot unfolded to them. It wasn't something that they could grasp immediately in that one little block of six hours. There was a lot that was laid out to them and suddenly there was great meaning to these words so they came back the next day to Ezra. And these were the people that were in charge of teaching. That's humbleness. When you're supposed to teach... And you go before another teacher and you attentively listen so that you have insight into that word. That's humbleness. So they exampled humbleness to the people. They made themselves subject to Ezra to hear what the word of God actually said. Chuck Swindoll says this. Many of you know him, some of the books he's written. But he says this about leaders. They needed three things in their lives at a minimum. Number one, they needed to be the right people. They needed to be called and they needed to be committed. Not just anybody. We have that problem today. We have a lot of people that say God is telling me or leading me to do something. And a lot of times it's not God. It's them following their own desires and then wrapping God around it and saying, God, Please bless this. But they were called and they were committed people. He goes on to say this. Number two, they had the right attitude. They had a teachable spirit. These people, even though they'd been in captivity 70 years, they were still labeled priests and Levites. They were supposed to be teaching the people. They had not. They realized how lacking they actually were of what God's word said. So they went and they subjected themselves to Ezra's teaching so that they could tell the people the truth, lead the people in truth. And they spent time with Ezra. I'm sure there was massive conversation going on about what these words meant. But that's what we do when we study the Bible. We talk about it. We look to see what God has to say. So they had a teachable spirit. And the third thing was time. So many times when we re- try and read our word, try and spend time in God's word, we get distracted. And a lot of times we'll blow through it like I just confessed to you that I had about this little block of scripture. And I go, check, done. I have finished my reading for the day. And 30 minutes later, I couldn't tell you what I read. They spent time because they wanted to soak in what God's word said. Because they were responsible for teaching the people. And that's what they did. Many things had been revealed that day. To them. In front of Ezra. Many things had been revealed. So since they had the right attitude. The right attitude, right, right attitude. Realizing they're responsible to all those people. They went back to gain insight. And that's what they did. Going on, and it says in verse 14, And they found it written in the law that the Lord had commanded by Moses. You see, when you spend time, you'll find things. When you spend time studying, you'll learn things. And in that, they studied and found that this was a time for them to be a living remembrance to the people. It goes on to say what they found. That the people of Israel, and they found it written in the law and the word he commanded by Moses, that the people of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month and that they should proclaim it and publish it in all their towns and in Jerusalem. Well, as they studied, guess what they realized? They realized they were in this month right here. Even though this feast of booths had been... Celebrated to some extent, there's about three references that I could find that they had done it, but they were supposed to do this every year, so I don't know that they had done it every year. It seems like it became old fashioned, it became tradition. What do we need that for? Not to mention being in captivity, where they had everything going against them to try and get them to forget about the Word of God. So it didn't take much for that to happen. But when they started forgetting about what God's Word said, when the, when the priests and the Levites quit proclaiming it to the people, they very soon they, very, very soon they forgot the things that God said to do. This was one of them. We'll find out what that meant here in just a second. But when we start taking things of old and casting them aside, and saying they don't mean anything anymore, there's no relevance today. Different day and age. We hear that about our Constitution right now with our local, go- with our national government. The Constitution's a living document. In other words, they'd like to change it. It was written for a reason. God's word was written for a reason too. And that is for us to follow it in detail. Not like it's a salad bar. We pick and choose what we'd like. Forget the rest. We're called to follow God's word. So as they looked looked and they studied it, they found that this was one of those things that they were supposed to follow called the Feast of Booze. Turn with me to Leviticus chapter 23. How many of you know what the Feast of Booths was all about? I see I see a half a dozen hands. When did you find out? I'm just going to get kind of open here. Weldon, when did you know it? When did you find out? Okay? Carmen, When did you read it in Leviticus? This week, okay? Because he challenged us to read, didn't he? He challenged us to read ahead and see what it said. So go to Leviticus chapter twenty three. Leviticus twenty three. It really gets it gets very descriptive in verse thirty three. And it says, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel saying, on the fifteenth day of this month, the seventh month for the seven days is the feast of booze to the Lord. On the first day shall be a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. For seven days you shall present food offerings to the Lord. On the eighth day you shall hold a holy convocation and present a food offering to the Lord. It is a solemn assembly and you shall not do any work. Sounds kind of like the seventh day of creation. And these are the appointed feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim as times of holy convocation for presenting to the Lord food offerings, burnt offerings, grain offerings, sacrifices, and drink offerings each on its proper day. Besides the Lord's Sabbath and besides your gifts and besides all your bow offerings and besides all your free will offerings which you give to the Lord on the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the produce of the land, You shall celebrate the feasts of the Lord seven days, and on the first day shall be a solemn rest. Right about now, your brain's about to turn to jello because you're thinking, good grief, I cannot stay up with this. That's what happens when we want to get done reading God's Word quickly instead of studying it. And you shall take on the first day of the fruit of splendid trees, branches of palm trees, and boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. You shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It is a statue forever throughout your generations to celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All native Israelites shall dwell in booths that your generations may know that I made the people of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. He gave them a lot of requirements, gave them a lot of prerequisites, and he got right down to it because I want you to not forget what I did when I drew you out of Egypt, out of the land of captivity. See those booths? Those booths were constructed on the fly. They found what they could in the wilderness to build dwellings for them to stay in. And when the pillar of fire moved at night, they camped. Or when it it became stationary, they camped. Or if it was moving, they were on the move. And when the cloud by day was moving or stationary, they camped or were on the move. So these little grass huts with palms and fronds and all that stuff on them, they were portable. That's what they lived in. God said, don't forget. Don't forget what you lived in. When I took you out of captivity. And it wasn't celebrated. Very ceremoniously. And very timely. For many many years. God calls them back to that reminder. And he tells them in the written word here. And he says. In verse 15. And that they should proclaim it. And publish it in all their towns. And in Jerusalem. So when I read that. I think, how in the world did they do that? Well, they made it known as far and as fast as they possibly could. They literally ran and proclaimed it and gave voice to it so that all the people of Israelite bloodline would know it. They proclaimed it so that they would come back and worship it. And as they went... That authority was given by two people Nehemiah, the governor, and by Ezra, the chief, the chief scribe and the priest. He, was give, he, 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 being the governor and Ezra, the priest, they were called to establish, to reestablish the city of Jerusalem, its worship and its social life. That's what those two men were called back to do, to reestablish it. And look how those people responded, continuing in verse 15. Go out to the hills and bring branches of olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees to make booths as it is written. Where was it written? It was written back in Leviticus. So they knew about it. Well, if if you remember, there was a couple guys that really caused Nehemiah and Ezra a lot of trouble. Their names were Tobiah and Sanballat, his sidekick. And they really harassed these two men on rebuilding the wall. They made fun of them. Then when they saw that it was being continued and being completed, they became very scared because now it becomes a threat to, to the two of them and their influence. So can you imagine, and this is not written in the Bible, Okay, this is what I'm thinking, can you imagine Tobiah and Sanballat They see the wall being finished and now the Israelites are going outside the city wall and they're gathering sticks and they're gathering palm or uh, olive branches and this and that and all that. And they see him come back in and it says in verse 16, so the people went out, that means into the hills because that's what it said as it is written, went out, brought them and made booths for themselves, each on his own roof. So these two guys you can only imagine they have houses inside the wall because if you remember as they were reconstructing the wall Nehemiah told them build the wall closest to your house They had some skin in the game there It'd be different if they you know if take you and I today let's go let's you know let's go build this wall over here And then you have a a wall that needs to be rebuilt around your house. Which one are you going to put the most interest into? Obviously, the one around your house. But he instructed them to do that. Well, the wall in the house, the house is inside the wall. Now they're constructing these booths, it says, on the roof. The roof of of his house, in their courts, in the courts of the house of God, in the square at the water gate... Where was the water gate at? The water gate was where Ezra read the word. He was just inside facing the courtyard. He was just inside the water gate. This courtyard was massive because it had to hold 47,000 people. 43,000 people, some change, and then you had some, some servants that were there with them. It was massive. So these booths that they were putting together were scattered all over this area. And yet they have these houses to live in. I sometimes wonder why did the the festival of the Feast of Booze fall away? Could it have been because they were living in constructed stone, mud houses now? They may have heard about the Feast of Booze. God said to celebrate it, do this for seven days. They said, what's the use? we got this new house. Man, we'll be in the weather out there. If it rains, we'll get wet. If the wind's blowing hard, it might blow over. Let's just, let's just celebrate it here in the house. Forget about building it with sticks. They didn't do what they were told to do. Sound familiar? Same way with us. We don't do what we're told to do in God's word. And we slide farther and farther away from it. But he said, build them on your house. Those of you that have houses, they had flat roofs in those days. Why'd they have flat roofs? Because God said build them that way. I'll tell you. Don't have to turn there. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 22. I'm going to read it to you. This is why they had flat roofs. When you, in verse 8, when you build a new house... You shall make a parapet for your roof that you may not bring the guilt of blood upon your house if anyone should fall from it. How many of you know what a parapet is today? I didn't. But I found myself standing on one in downtown Stephenville this week. We see them in the movies all the time. Most times it's guys hiding behind them shooting. But they're what they are... They're a physical retaining structure around the top of that roof so that somebody inadvertently doesn't stumble to the edge of the roof and fall off. They didn't want them guilty of innocent blood. They said, build a parapet. So your houses that you have, Israelites in Jerusalem, inside that wall that has a parapet, build that shack on top of that roof. Those that didn't have those kinds of houses or may have had houses outside the wall, they built them in the square by the water gate and in the square at the gate of Ephraim. They built them everywhere. They were, there were literally thousands of them. They were everywhere. And they were to live in them for seven days. And in verse 17, it says, And all the assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and lived in the booths. For from the days of Joshua, I cannot say that right, Joshua, the son of Nun, to that day, the people of Israel had not done so. And there was very, very great rejoicing. On a few occasions it had been done, but not the way God said to do it. So guess what they didn't experience when they weren't completely obedient? They didn't experience blessings, and they certainly didn't experience the joy. But when they did it God's way, it says that they experienced great, very great rejoicing. And day by day, from the first day to the last day, he read from the book of the law of God. They kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day, there was a solemn assembly according to the rule. All of it was done because they followed God's word verse by verse. Whatever they called it during those days. We call it verse by verse today. But they followed it in great detail. That is our lesson. Is to follow God's word in detail. That is why we meet and we open God's word. So that it's proclaimed and we're reminded of what it says. The church needs to be different than the world that it lives in. We are so tainted by the world. Why would the world want to be like us? Rebellion. is a word that we don't like to hear. Disobedience is a word that we don't like to hear. But rebellion and disobedience are shaking our fist in God's face and saying, I'm going to do it my way. And you do it your way, and you will suffer major consequences for it. As you raise your children, parents. I have my daughter sitting here today. She lived with a dad that was disobedient. Secretly. She didn't see it outrightly, but she suffered the consequences of it. Because of dad's secret disobedience. She now is trying to raise a little boy. And to you as parents, I say, be obedient to God's word. In the open and in your own secret life, your children will pay for it. As we look, I'm not going to go into it, but as we look at chapter 9 of Nehemiah, I want you to read that this week. I don't know where Edward's going next week. I don't know where he's going in the Word. But I want you to read chapter 9. And chapter 9, as, as the people of Israel confess their sins, they start off much like the Lord's Prayer does. They start off in worship. In verse 6, worship and praise and adoration to God. And then as they get into it even further, this is their proclamation that they make to God. They realize the sins of their forefathers. And the sins of their forefathers is what put them in captivity for 70 years. The sins of their forefathers is what put them um, in times of correction by God all through the history of Israel. And even now in verse nine, or chapter 9 as they confess their sins they make a written proclamation. They sign it. They have the greatest intent to do what's right. And just a few short chapters after that they begin to fall away again. Sounds like us today. Parents as you raise your children Be obedient to God's word. I beg you. Don't put them through the things that I did my kids. Don't do it. Please be obedient to God's word. As I close today, Only when the word of God is opened will you live in obedience. If you shut this word and set it aside this afternoon and don't open it up again until next week, you're living in disobedience. And you and your children will pay pay a horrendous price for it. Husbands, Chapter 5 of Ephesians, verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Ladies, verse 22 of the same chapter says, Wives, submit to your husband's leadership. Children, verse 1 of chapter 6 of Ephesians it says, honor your mothers and your fathers. Be obedient to them. All things are in order. In God's Word. Written by men that were inspired by the Holy Spirit. If you will obey and you will follow what God says to do, you will reap Blessings and not fall under curses should you do the opposite you will be like the children of Israel and you will reap those blessings as well one last passage got to read it to you it's in, uh, it's in uh, Deuteronomy it's in chapter 8 Verse 11 says, Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes which I commanded you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them. When your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied. Then your heart will be lifted up and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Out of the house of slavery who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and its scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water but brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, My power is... And the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you power to get wealth. That he may confirm his covenant, covenant that he swore to your fathers. As it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God. And go after other gods and serve them. And worship them. I solemnly warn you today. That you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish, because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. The greatest form of worship that you can give God is your obedience in everything.